0: We're in Ecclesiastes 4 today. Uh, I have entitled this message, The Case for Companionship. You know, it's really been frigid outside. But this morning we're going to look at how critical it is that we are not frigid in our homes and in our church and with one another. And, and we're going to look at how vital it is to be connected to God's people. Uh, this is a natural message to give a plug for this when we meet, we eat deal. Uh, share with you guys, we had done this when back near the time that we um, did an event here at church. And basically what we do, there's a sign-up sheet that's outside around the corner here, and there's one by the kitchen area, divide off into three family groups. And we get together and take turns over three months eating it different homes, each family taking a turn being a host, and we have a series of four questions. Uh, some of the questions are like, I remember one of the questions was, uh, tell us about the first time you fell in love. But there are also questions from a spiritual aspect too, so we can find out more about the spiritual walk of one another. And I know it was the people I had talked to participated last time, it was a blessing. So I just encourage all you guys to sign up and be a part of that. We're going to extend the sign-up. We'll have it through next week and then set some assignments and uh, get together starting uh, in February, March, and April. So I encourage you to be a part of that, be a blessing. Guys, my heart, uh, I, I think when we think about what we really want, We want to be loved, and we want to love. Life, it's about relationships. You can have it all and miss it all if you have no one to share it with. And as we look at this morning in Ecclesiastes 4, we're going to talk a little bit about loneliness. We're going to talk about areas that are substituted for the relationships God wants us to have, those type of relationships. I want to talk about the rewards of having real companionship and intimacy. You know, one of the things God wants to do in the church is to give us a connection. Man, this is a crazy world and people are hurting. People are, are, are dying. Of course, those who are without Christ, they, they don't have hope. We know that from the Scriptures. But even what they know of here, man, it's cold. And it's tough. And, and we need people who love us. And we're also fulfilled when we love others. And that's what the church should be about. And we're going to look at that this morning. Um join me if you haven't to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And I'm going to encourage you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Let's pray. Master, as we approach you this morning, we need to hear from you, God. And I certainly know that in my strength that can't happen. And I just pray for your anointing. I pray there might be a sense of Your presence, a sense of Your power, a sense of Your passion, a sense of Your persuasion that You, O Lord, might speak. And uh, God, it's a bad thing to be lonely, God. I pray that uh, You might speak to anyone lonely here today, God, that they might sense Your presence and that there might be a companionship That occurs, God, among us. We need you and we trust you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Part of the trouble with relationships is relationships are dangerous. You know, it's one thing to be a part of a crowd. It's one thing to have a lot of friends. It's one thing to be on Facebook and have 608 friends. It's something quite differently. To let them into your life. To be really connected to those people. To bear your heart and your soul before them. Because it's dangerous. You can be hurt. Remember the story of uh, the woman who came to the feet of Jesus. She had this very expensive perfume. And she broke the container at the feet of Jesus and began to wash His feet with her hair. And there was the criticism of how expensive that was. Jesus said, leave her alone. She's doing a good thing. Why? Because she poured out her love to the one who fully loves her. And guys, as we look at our relationship to God, there's no regrets in pouring out your love extravagantly before God and when that occurs in our lives it also means that he wants us to love each other and to develop that kind of connection he wants church to be more than just coming and sitting in a pew he wants church to become people coming across the aisle and connecting of course i love it here you know we have our uh, time of greeting uh, fellowship song all that stuff uh, you know this is not a big enough road I always feel bad because I want to see everybody. I love you all so much and I can't get through there. So really, I guess if I had any sense, I would start at the back and work this way. Uh, But anyway, I want to read to you. This is a quote. um, Someone has written a a, a parable that comes from uh, this perfume being broken at the feet of Jesus and connecting it to the church. Christians file into church on a Sunday morning. One by one, they march in like separate alabaster jars. Contained, self-sufficient, encased, contents undisclosed, no perfume emitting at all. Mary broke her jar, broke it. How shocking, how controversial. Was everybody doing it? Was it a vase-breaking party? No, she just did it all by herself. What happened then? The obvious, all the contents were forever released. She could never hug her precious nard to herself again. Many bodies that file in the church do so, no doubt, because they have Jesus inside them. Jesus, precious, exciting, life-giving. But most of them keep him shut up, contained, and closed all their lives. And the air is full of nothing. They come to church and sit these long rows of cold, beautiful alabaster jars. Then the cold, beautiful alabaster jars get up and march out again silently. Or maybe talking their cold alabaster talk to repeat the ritual week after week, year after year. The need for Christians everywhere is to be broken. The jar has to be smashed. Christians have to let the life out. It will fill the room with sweetness and the congregation will be broken shards mingling together for the first time. Of course, it's awkward and scary to be broken. Of course, it's easier to keep up that cold alabaster front. It was costly for Mary too. That's what God wants to do among us, guys. He wants the superficial to be broken, to be smashed. And He wants us to be connected by the power of God to Him and to one another. And when He does that kind of stuff, God, we can never be the same. And neither can the community. Because once God starts really connecting to His people, man, there's just such a joy and an excitement and a passion. It can't be matched anywhere else. (laughs) And that's God's heart. And that's what I believe He wants for all of us. You know, I've gotten where I've decided I want to sign uh, my stuff uh, uh, when I write a letter, Wanting the King's Way at King's Away. And that's what we want. And His way is that we're connected to Him and to one another the way He wants. And as we look at this message, we're going to talk about that. You know, um, I want to talk about what loneliness is not. Loneliness is not aloneness. Sometimes, sometimes you need some personal space. Sometimes you just need some time away from the crowd. It's also not lonesomeness. You can be distant from someone you love, but that's not loneliness. You can still communicate with them. Loneliness, you can be around people, but feel so far away. I remember an old country song that said, Sleeping single in a double bed. Man, God doesn't want that. He wants the people that we're to be closest to. He wants us to be close to them. He doesn't want us to be distant and disconnected. Guys, He wants us to know each other and love each other. Whether it's in the home with husbands and wives or with kids and parents or or, um, whether it's siblings or whether it's friends or whatever the connection is. He means for relationships to count. Not to be superficial. Not to be just passing one another, going somewhere, but to stop and to be together. Um, I want to share with you a definition of loneliness that's not from me. It's from Warren Wearsby. And I like Wearsby's definition. He says, Loneliness is a malnutrition of the soul that comes from living on substitutes. I going to talk this morning from the text here about three substitutes that occur in our lives that take the place of the vital relationships God wants us to experience. The first one is oppression. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me out of the text. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. And they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors. And they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been. Who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. so the first substitute mentioned here is oppression. Um. Man, it is, it is horrible to be oppressed. And there are so many people out there, and you may fall in this category, who feel just oppressed. Who feel this heavy weight that just crushes the air and the life out. Um, you know, it's getting where you didn't talk about it, but now you do. There are those who face this physiologically. Um, chemical imbalances and uh, depression. They can't control and I mean, you know, when you have that hit you, whether it's a type of depression or or, or something that's going on, it that's part of your body that affects your mind, and it affects your mood. And man, it's oppressing. It's heavy, and, and you don't know what to do. It's illogical. It's irrational. Or it may be circumstances. Circumstances can be oppressive. You know, like the guy who said, "Man, I feel like God's trying to kill me and just keeps missing." Sometimes circumstances can... Man, they can just be such a load. Or it may be a person. Maybe there's this particular person in your life that... Man, they just make you miserable. Solomon, he, he looked out and he saw people who were oppressed. And, and this oppression... This oppression just... It overwhelmed him. And I think as we look at this, not only did he look at others who were oppressed, I think that Solomon himself was oppressed. Sometimes the one who's at the top is very lonely because he's up at the top. Listen to this quote from uh, this is a book written by Albert Speer, who was an associate of Adolf Hitler during the Nazi regime. And this is a quote from his book. Talking about Hitler, he said, he wallowed in his own charisma, but he could not respond to friendship. In fact, he repelled friendship. At the core of the place where his heart should have been, Hitler was a hollow man. He was empty. We were all simply projections of his giant ego. He repelled friendship. Are you alone because you feel like you're at the top? You're lonely and, and you're just pushing people away? Guys, it's never about a disconnect. With God, it's always about being connected. Uh, let's look at the second one here. Competition. Look at verses 4 and 6. And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor... This too is a meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. God doesn't want to, I mean, there's nothing wrong with competition when it, when it comes to doing your best. We can encourage one another and push one another. But it should never come to the point where we're so busy competing with one another... That we can't work together. I mean, I, I see it around me sometimes and even among God's people in churches. Churches, it's almost like churches are competing against each other. God forgive us. There are more than enough people out there that, that need Him. We, we need to work together. We need to cooperate. Uh, there's a story, um, back when Michael uh, Angelo and the artist, um, Raphael were working in the Vatican and uh, they were working on separate parts of that great uh, place. And uh, in their painting, there became a fierce competition. And it came to the point that when the guys passed each other, they wouldn't look each other in the eye. Now, they're doing all this work for God and His glory, but they wouldn't even talk to each other because the competition was so fierce. God forbid... Help us be connected. You know, one thing I do love about you guys, about Kingsway, is, and I've, I've told several people this, I really, there are some, there are some really gifted people around here, and more and more I appreciate that about the Kingsway crowd. One thing I love about you guys is, I really honestly don't sense that there's jealousy among people here. That's wonderful. Man, I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that God can use that. And He will. Man, Sidney and I were talking the other day. Cindy said, we need to really start thinking about it and and talking about expanding our facilities and and fellowship. I know we've looked at it before, but we're at a position. She said, I really believe God is about to really do something special around here. And I said, yeah, honey, I do too, honey, yeah. And, um, and And I think a big part of that is because we're not... Competing against each other, but we're on that same goal, competing for His kingdom, His love. Uh, Alright, let me move on here to the next one. Uh, The third one here is compulsion. Look at verses 7 and 8. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. This idea of a man all alone literally means (laughs) the lone one. Remember that old song by Three Dog Night, One is the Loneliest Number? Uh, That's the picture here um, notice in the first section there were many who were oppressed, In the second section there were two that were involved, and now it's the solitary work of one. I remember when the kids were small. One of my favorite kids books was a book. You guys remember? This, called Gimme Hands. Buzzle Billy, my wife just reminded me, and Buzzle Billy Gimme Hands was about this guy, this kid, and uh, he wanted to, he wanted to hoard all his toys. He didn't want to share them. And every time some kid wanted one of his toys, he'd grow an extra set of arms and hands. And so he turned into this thing with all these hands. And then he was miserable because he had all the toys, but he had nobody to play with. And he cried. But then once he started sharing, all those hands started, poof, disappearing. (laughs) Then he had all the friends and didn't have a lot of toys, but he was so happy. That's God's heart. That's what He wants to do. You can't help but think of Scrooge you know and, and as many times as I've seen a Christmas Carol you know you got Scrooge and and he's so self centered and bomb bug and all that stuff and I love it when he changes and he goes over there and he gets the biggest turkey he can find and he he shows up acting all Scrooge like and then starts you know and then it all changes I mean I just love that that's a god work that's what he wants to do now. Um, talked about that. I want to look at some advantages of companionship. We've talked about when companionship is not working as God desires. us look at it when it is working as God desires. Um, verse 9, which we, we read, verses 9 through 12. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And He wants us to be vitally connected. He wants us to be together. Have you guys ever thought in the scriptures, where was the first time God said something was not good? You know, when when you start reading about creation, it says God created this and He said it was good. It was good. It was good. Then He created a woman. He said it was very good. I'm a man. I I like women. Okay, but anyway, matter of fact, I said this to Jeff, I couldn't help but laugh. I said, you know, they've changed this WMU to WOM. I said, Terry, maybe we should say uh, men on mission, but then we'd be mom. That just doesn't sound very masculine. We were laughing. About it. But uh, uh, anyway, he said, it's not good to be alone. Uh, so what did he do? Well, let's look back here at Genesis 2.18. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. A, a lot of times that phrase suitable helper gets a bad knock. And a lot of times ladies get upset with that. It doesn't mean, uh, honey, I want you to uh, pick up my clothes and wash them. Or, honey, I want you to cook me something that tastes real good. You know, that's not what it's talking about. When we were at uh, Nanny and Pawpaw's, there was this little figurine of this uh, woman and she had, a, she had a mop or broom in her hand. I can't remember which one it was. And It said below it, it said, I run things around here, the mop, the broom. Lydia looked at things, I don't like that. <laughs> but that is not what it's talking about here. The word, when it says suitable helper, could be translated soulmate Constant companion. Matter of fact, guys, it's the same word that's used of the Lord in Psalm forty-six, one. I want to read that verse for you um, from a translation, which is the uh, Holman Christian Translation. If I can find it, that's all in trouble with notes here when I can't see. Well, I'll read it out of here. Psalm 46.1. Hurry, pages, hurry. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. I was going to read it from the Holden Christian Standard Translation because uh, it actually says a present helper. Same same word there, present help in trouble. This is speaking about God as being our help, being our constant companion. Being the one we can trust in. Now ladies, I won't go that far that way either. I'm not saying y'all are okay. But what I am saying is that you guys are beside us. Matter of fact, yesterday was our wedding anniversary, 22 years. And um, one thing I'd say about my wife, she's been so faithful. I mean, it is hard sometimes to put up with a knothead. <laughs> and she's done that for 22 years. I'm so grateful. What a blessing. Bible says uh, in Proverbs nineteen fourteen houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a good wife is from the Lord. And it's so true, so very true. Uh, unfortunately, uh, many people instead of having those deep relationships are closed. Here's a quote from Judson Sweard I want to share with you. Some people are like medieval castles. Their high walls keep them safe from being hurt. They protect themselves emotionally by permitting no exchange of feelings with others. No one can enter. They are secure from attack. However, inspection of the occupant finds him or her lonely, rattling around his castle alone. The castle dweller is a self-made prisoner. He or she needs to feel loved by someone, but the walls are so high It's difficult to reach out for anyone else or for anyone else to reach in. Part of my plea uh, today is that God will give us the courage to lower the wall. To lower the wall. All right, let's look at these um, rewards, benefits that come from right relationships. First, there's a mutual reward. Notice in verse 9 there's a good return. it says, because they have a good return for their work. Uh, when two work together, it's a good partnership. The idea is a win win situation. Two can accomplish more than one. Um, so there's mutual reward. Secondly, there's mutual reassurance. Notice it says uh, there, the next verse, his friend can help him up. If he falls, his friend can help him up. I remember uh, several years ago, my aunt just recently it turned 90 years old and we had her 90 year old birthday party and went there and it was great.